0: First Peter, uh, chapter one, verse 13. We were going to go uh, 13 through 16 this morning. And, and uh, just as I was studying this and looking at it, um, we're going to do one verse today. Uh, first Peter, chapter one, verse 13. And we read it and then we'll talk about it. It says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Hopefully, some of you have insight and, and can see, man, we're going down the same direction again. Man, uh, I can't wait to meet Peter and just embrace him. But here's what it says. Um, therefore, okay? Anytime you come to therefore in the Bible, you always see what it's there for. It's very important, guys, because so many times, what do we do in our devotions? We read five verses yesterday, so we pick it up, and we're going to read five verses today, and it says, therefore, we have no clue what yesterday said, okay? But the therefore is there for a reason, you know? You always look, why does it say therefore? There's something that happened right before this that ties into what we're talking to, okay? And so in this section that we're looking at, it says therefore, since. Now, when he talks about the therefore, he's talking about verses one through 12, all of it. Therefore, verse one, since God chose us, since he called us. Verse three, therefore, since according to God's great mercy he has caused us to be born again verse 4 therefore since he has this inheritance that's imperishable and defiled unfading and he's keeping that he's keeping it and protecting it in heaven for us who believe in him and therefore since in verse 5 it says that god is keeping us for that inheritance he's not just keeping the inheritance for us he's keeping us for that inheritance And since in verse six, uh, we can rejoice and we have this joy that's overflowing out of our whole bodies and life and all of that because of what God has done in salvation. Um, And since even though we haven't seen him, we love him, even though we have um, not now seen him, we believe because he's given us this faith. And because we're going to obtain the outcome of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls and since in verses 10 through 12, this salvation is so incredible so amazing so like beyond our understanding that the prophets like when they were told by god to write about this they like studied it they like got in and wanted to find out what is this really about what is god telling us about this messiah that's going to come he's going to be beaten and scorned and all this punishment's going to be on him and yet he's going to reign forever and then sense. This salvation is so incredible. The angels, the angels that are around God's throne are bending over, stretching their heads forward to look into what God has done in your life and my life. Since all of that, okay? And remember verses 1 through 12, all of that is really Peter just celebrating salvation, God's grace, okay? Since, therefore, since we've been shown this grace, since we've been poured, God poured out His grace on us. Since those things, it says this: preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing: there's one, this is the first command in the whole book, right? We got into verse thirteen, and finally, there's like a command an imperative where where Peter tells us to do something. And the telling us to do something is the setting your hope fully, all right? Those first two things are participles, uh, things that we should do so that we can fulfill the command. As we do these things, then we fulfill the command, which is setting our hope fully, all right? We're gonna talk about the command in a little bit, but let's look at those two things, okay? There's things that he's assuming that we're gonna be doing because God in his incredible great mercy has poured out salvation on us there's an understood that we're going to be doing two things in our life so that we can accomplish this command that he gives us. So the first one is this, preparing your minds for action. Some of you may have a a version of the Bible that says, girding up the loins of your mind. That's cool, right? You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, what does that mean? Like, what if you have that version? What in the world is girding up the loins of your mind? I thought that was dirty or something like I didn't think I was allowed to say that as a kid or whatever. And so what in the world is girding up the loins of your mind? Here's the thing, all right? Back in the day, you know, the Bible days, uh, what they would wear are, are these long flowing robes. And so whenever you wanted to get somewhere, you didn't just leave things as they were. If you really were, were wanting to get somewhere, what they would do is they would take the, 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 the skirt of this robe, guys, girls, whatever, And they would pick it up and tuck it into the belt that they were wearing. All right. And so girding up the loins of your robe was taking and and tucking the outskirts of this robe in so that pretty much you're kind of making like biker shorts or something, you know. So you can run so you can get somewhere um, so that you can actually do something and get from here to there with urgency. All right. So if you really want to get somewhere, you're going to gird up the loins of your robe. So you're tucking that in. Your legs are now showing and you can run freely. All right. When we look at that here and and what Peter's doing is he's urging believers to pull in the loose ends like that, that flowing robe. What he's urging us to do is take the loose ends like that flowing robe around us and tie those down, tuck those in. All right. Um, Another example is, is. A Roman soldier, okay. before a Roman soldier would go into battle, he would do two things preparing for battle. Okay, He would put a belt on, and then he would tuck in. He would gird up his, his, his loins. He would tuck in his gown. Why? Because he didn't want anything to interfere with the battle that was ahead. As he went into battle, he didn't want anything to interfere with what he had to accomplish. And that's exactly what Peter's saying to us. But what's he saying it with? Our minds gird up the look, prepare your minds for action. And this isn't assumed, okay? because God has given this incredible grace. It's his great mercy. It's something we didn't deserve. This incredible salvation and this incredible salvation is so amazing that angels who see God, by the way, you know, they see him. They see all of his glory. They worship him for it. And yet they are looking longing to experience and know what in the world must that be like for Tony? Like, what must that be like for him to experience that kind of grace from this holy and perfect God? And since that happens, Peter's assuming since we receive that grace, we therefore should be preparing our minds for action. And and what what it's like he's saying is, as you prepare your minds for action, okay? Let me ask you, how can we do that? I mean, how, how, as I think of that Roman picture, and I think that's a great picture of, of just you know going into battle and, and tucking in everything that's going to interfere with that battle. How do I do that with my mind? How do I prepare my mind for action in this faith that I'm walking through? How can I do that? Throw it out there. What can I do? What, what with my mind can I be doing to prepare it? What is it? Prayer for sure study definitely i mean honestly guys you know knowing god's word and just you know we've talked about this in first peter already the spirit uses what to sanctify us what does it use to sanctify us god's word god's word it uses god's word to shape us to sanctify us to make us more like what god wants us to be a reflection of himself And so it's getting in and finding out what in the world, and not just hearing here, but now going out and discussing, okay, what is that Shauna, what in the world does that mean for us? What how how are we going to respond? We know the truth now. God's given us the truth, and so we have to respond to God's word somehow. And it's it's finding out, okay, what are we gonna do with God's word in our lives to be more like Christ? It's preparing our minds for the battle. It's preparing our minds, being ready so that when I step outside my house, when I go into that battle zone, when I go into where faith actually has to engage, has to engage in the house too. When I go into the world and have to engage that faith, I'm prepared. Those loose ends, those things that have been scattered all in my life that interfere with my mind engaging with God and my mind following God completely, they're tied down now i've put them away i've tied them down they're not going to interfere with me thinking clearly so that i can live out a life that is pleasing to god and that's what peter's calling us expecting us to do here what's the next thing he says as you do that as you prepare your mind for action and being sober minded this is simple okay what does sober mean not intoxicated right Not intoxicated. That's exactly what sober means. It means not being intoxicated. And so not allowing our mind to be intoxicated with anything that's going to interfere with us passionately loving God. What is God's call in our life? Love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And what Peter's saying is be sober minded. Don't intoxicate your mind with things that are going to separate you from that love of God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Don't intoxicate your mind with things that are going to make you take your eyes off of him so that the next time I go and open up my Bible to prepare for action and pray to prepare for action, I'm like, God, I just don't feel connected with you and I got to pray for a long time just so that I feel like I'm really like talking to you even for real and that my prayers are going further than the ceiling and. And that's what it is. When we're not being sober minded, every time we're not sober minded, every time we allow things into our life that distract us from passionately loving God, and then we become curious with God God, are you really there? God, how come I don't feel like I did yesterday when I prayed? How come I didn't feel like I did when I heard that one sermon that one time? How come I don't feel the way I did before? And God's answer is you're not sober minded. You've intoxicated your mind with so many other things. You've let so many other things come into your mind and into your thought. Where have I been? I've been in the same spot. And you've become just intoxicated with all of these things. Great verse, guys, a great verse. Um, if you don't have this hanging somewhere or in your heart, especially, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Many of you probably have heard this. It's Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Don't think about other things. Don't don't cloud your mind. Don't intoxicate your mind with thinking that is not going to help you honor and worship God better. You know, I've said this so many times. This is a beautiful thing to put on a wall. But if it's not in our heart, if we are not genuinely pursuing God's fame in every part of our life, it means nothing. It's just a sign. It's just something we put up. But as we pursue God's fame, it's everything is about you, God. It's all about you. And I'm not going to intoxicate my mind with things that distract me from loving you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. In Psalm um, chapter 101. I'm going to look at verses two and three. This is David says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. That'd be such a great verse to like plaster on your TV, right? Or on your computer, right? I will not set before my eyes anything. That is worthless. I will walk within my home. But Tony, like nobody sees me in my home. Like, my neighbors don't know if I'm watching dirty movies. My neighbors don't know if I'm watching or looking at bad things on the Internet. My neighbors don't know that stuff. So when the world does it matter? God says it matters. God says it matters. And if I'm going to live a life sober minded so that I can honestly, from the depths of my heart, say, God, I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my soul. I love you with all my strength love you with all my mind then we've got to be sober-minded and we've got to clear our mind of those things and we have to tie down those things in our life that are going to keep us from running that are going to keep our minds from running for god that are going to keep our minds from being exactly what god has called us to be in this thing he calls faith and a life in christ what do i desire most in my life what do you desire most i can tell you from my heart I'm not 100% on this, all right? You can't look and walk beside me all day long and see me be, I'm not perfect, okay? But I can tell you with all my heart, with all my heart, I want to be with God. I don't want, I'm not out for the inheritance. I want to be with God. He's the inheritance. I want to live with him. And I want to hear Christ say, you did it. You did it. And you didn't care what people, you didn't care what your congregation thought. You did it. And you tied down the things in your life that were distracting you from me. You got rid of the thoughts in your mind and the things that were causing those thoughts in your mind. So that you love me more. So that you would live for me more. And so that you could honestly say, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. I want that for me. I want that for my wife. I want my wife to receive God. I want her to see in me and to be an example to her in my home where I'm living a life where I'm not looking at things on TV, where I'm not looking at things on the Internet, where I'm not accepting things as okay in my home, as a pastor or a congregant that affect her relationship with Jesus Christ, that make her mind intoxicated. I want my children to be with God. I want them to receive the inheritance that He has promised, Jesus Christ and Himself. And I want to live a life and, and, man, you know, when I turned 30, was it 30, 31? I don't remember anymore. It does, some of you you guys look at that as like a kid. I mean, you guys, some of you are old, Let's be honest, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. When I turned 31, it was like something for me. My grandfather lived till he was 66. I've shared this before. And so it was like, for me, it was like, okay, I'm almost halfway. You know what I mean? And that went by really fast. And, and this is, I'm confessing to you, okay? And I wrote out these... Um, resolutions. Thank you so much. Resolutions for my life. And, and one of those that I am, that I'm remembering, and I don't, that's something that I want to be praying through every day in my life. And I'm not, but it's one of these that I hold before me is I never guys, listen, okay. I never want my children to see me look past my wife at another lady ever, ever. Guys, I do not want ever To let that stuff cloud my mind so that I am intoxicated. And, And I'm not just intoxicating myself, guys. I'm intoxicating my wife, and I'm intoxicating the minds of my kids because they see, oh, dad's a pastor or dad's a believer in Jesus Christ. doesn't matter where you stand in the church. doesn't matter where you sit in the church. They look at you and they say, dad is a believer in Jesus Christ. That must be what that looks like. Guys, we've got to be sober-minded. Are we letting things in our homes and in our lives that are clouding our minds, that are intoxicating our minds so that we cannot think and live clearly to be godly people? It goes on, and, 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 it, and it finally, after assuming that those are the people that we are, he says this, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're preparing your mind. You're tying down everything. You're, 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 you're making sure that there are no loose ends. So that you can think clearly. So that you're studying. So that you're knowing God as you study more about him. As you find out more about him. You're keeping your mind sober. You're not letting things come in to intoxicate it. As you do those things. Set your hope Fully. Fully on the grace of God that's going to be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fully. Now, here's the key, guys. Do you know that this is an imperative? I don't know if you guys know English or not. Hated English. Just let you know, okay? Uh, Couldn't stand it. Was good up through like fifth, sixth grade. Didn't like it anymore. Once they started, pulling out the whole diagram thing, I was like, it's been a pleasure. You know what I mean? Um, But here's, you know, an imperative. You don't know what an imperative is, all right? An imperative is... It's when you're commanded to do something, right? You put an exclamation point at the end of something. It's a command. You're being told to do something. Guys, do you realize the Bible is telling us, commanding us to hope fully on the grace of God? Fully. It's a command. It's something, in other words, that I am making a decision, a conscious decision in my mind to choose to put everything because remember, it says hopefully there's nothing in the Bible that says hope half heartedly. It's not just do what you do what you can, guys, you know, do with whatever you're you know, maybe you're raised poorly. Maybe. The, no, it says hope fully put everything you've got on this one thing. My hope is in you, God. And if there's no you, if there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ, if there's no nothing, I am nothing and there is nothing left in my life. Everything I have, remember, it's all tied down now, right? Everything I have is in you, God. And I'm putting everything in this one basket. You, you, you. And if there's no you, then there's no hope in my life whatsoever. Guys, is that how we're living? Are we following that command in our life? I mean, how many things do we hope in? How many things do we have in our life that we are just hoping, you know, God is good, and Jesus is great, and thank you for the sacrifice, but I've got this, too, just in case, you know, just in case, you know, I can fall back on this, or, or you know, my life is good because I've gotten all these things, and so even, God, if you're not there and, and this is the end of everything, well, it's been a good ride. It's been a good life. And so, ah, eh, remember what Paul says? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 13, 15, what is it? 15, verse 19, remember what he says? If there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ, what is it? We should be the most pitied people in the world. Now, there's an assumption in that, right? We talked about this. There's an assumption there that we must have tied everything into this Jesus if we were to be pitied. We must have been tying into that our bank account. We must have been tying into that how we purchased a home or didn't. We must have tied in everything. Because if we're to be pitied, then that means everything was tied into one, one thing. And if it sinks, we sink. And we have nothing. And that's what Peter's saying again here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Set, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What that is? What's the, what's the grace that's going to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ? God himself. Salvation. Finally rest. Finally home. Finally We are where we belong. That is setting our hope fully on the revelation of the grace that we will receive at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is we look past this. Everything that we are hoping for is past. However many days you've given me, God, however much time you've given me here, my sights and my hope and my desire and my everything is looking beyond all of these days. And I am setting things up for that home. I am investing in that home. I am doing everything to make sure that the home that is prepared for me is there and not here. That's what he's saying. I'm putting everything in that right there. I'm looking beyond all of this life here, and I'm looking at that home, and I'm setting my hope completely on that. And God, if there's nothing at the end of these days, they were wasted because everything I did from here to there was for that. Guys, how are we responding to that? I mean how are we doing in that? How are we living that? How do we just look at that and mm. oh well. You know it's like he said, that's all right. I'll come back through the drive-through next week and hopefully hopefully the food will be a little better. Hopefully Tony won't be on this blasted kick again, you know? Guys, it's just it's God's word and I'm dealing with it too and how am I going to respond to it? How am I going to obey him through it? What am I going to do? What decisions am I going to make right now today to make sure that my life is set? I'm setting my hope fully on God's grace that's going to be revealed then. What am I doing? Why is that so hard for us? You know, why? Well, you know, honestly, it's honesty because things aren't tied down. Our mind is, is, is not sober-minded. We are allowing things all every day that come in and cloud our thinking. Maybe, maybe, maybe if we were preparing our minds for action, maybe if we were tying things down that are distracting, maybe if we were living sober-minded and not allowing those things, maybe we would have nothing else to set our hope on. Maybe there wouldn't be anything left except you, God, you're all I have. And so I set my hope fully, fully on you, maybe there wouldn't be anything else to distract us if we just tie those things down and get rid of the thoughts, the things that that hinder our thoughts for God. Maybe there wouldn't be anything left, and all our hope could be on that. How are we responding? Maybe we wouldn't look at everyone else's stuff and think, "Oh, I could have that and be better off." Maybe we wouldn't look at our kids and, and look at them and say, "Man." if I can just get them to go to college and, and study hard and, and get a degree so that they can be a doctor or a lawyer or, or whatever it is, or, man, if they can just do that, then I've accomplished what I was called. Maybe we wouldn't think that way anymore. Maybe we'd, maybe we'd say, you know what, son? I don't care if you go to college or not, as long as you end up on some other part of the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who need to hear it. Maybe we'd think differently that way. Maybe we say, you know what, son? I'm not spending a dime on your college. If you want to go, you spend it. I'm not spending a penny on it, because I would much rather you get out of that situation in your life debt-free, debt-free, so that you can take the gospel to some other place in the world. Son, I'm not going to spend a dime on you in college, because I don't want you to go. I don't want you to be there wasting four years of your life when you could tell people about Jesus Christ on the other side of the world. Man, parents love when they hear that stuff, right? Right? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? But guys, what would it do to our thinking? Honestly, what would it do to our thinking if we just tied down those things? Because I got three and a half boys, all right? Just found out this week, it's another boy, all right? It's just a habit now, you know? And I go through the same things. I want, I want to protect my sons. I want to like put my arms around them. But more than that, I'm telling you, I want to raise my boys in a way that they come to me when they are graduating from high school and saying, sorry, Dad, I'm not going to go to school to be that. I'm not going to go to school to do that. Dad, I am called to go to the ends of the earth, to take the gospel to people who have never heard it. I am called to be Christ in this world. What would it change in our thinking if we just tied those things down and cleared our minds and set our hope fully on God and not our own desires? let's pray father thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and god i i really believe lord that if we're going to follow you and we're going to follow your word it's going to take some radical thinking and some radical living and we may not be accustomed to it i know i'm not i know it's uncomfortable i know that thinking through how in the world am i going to live a life that causes you to say well done and that causes all glory and all praise and all fame to go to you and not to me. It's, t- it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And it's not what my flesh cries out for. But God, help our spirit to cry louder than our flesh. God, may your spirit dwell in us and scream out. Live for me, live for me, live for me. And God, help us, help us to not listen to our flesh, to turn from our flesh and to obey you, our God, who says, come and follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And Lord, that we would follow you so closely, setting our hope fully, fully on what you have promised us so that this life doesn't even matter except that we bring more glory, more fame, more honor to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that we live this life, to do that, to shine for you and 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 point to you, and bring attention to you, and to build treasures and to and to put treasures in heaven. God, work in our hearts and work in our lives. And God, I I pray, Lord, I've been convicted so many times about things, and never done anything about it. God. Your word, your word is clear that when you speak, you expect. You expect us to change. You expect us to move from where we're at. You expect us to surrender to you completely. And God, I pray that every person here that is hearing your voice speak in their hearts right now would surrender everything to you. You're calling some of us to tie down those things in our life that are affecting our minds and keeping us from loving you with all our heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're calling some of us to get rid of the things in our homes. To get rid of our thing, the things in our offices. To get rid of the things in our lives that are intoxicating our minds. So that we cannot clearly think of you. So we cannot passionately worship you. You're calling some of us to do that. You're calling all of us to set our hope fully on you. And I pray, God, I pray that we would respond to you in submission and in obedience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.